March's biggest tournament is finally here. We do not know who will be cutting down the nets at the end, but we do know there will be no shortage of madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 on an underdog, win $256 if they win. It's that simple. Pick one of many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. All it takes is a $4 bet. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code THPN to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat, and I hope everybody had a really good St. Patrick's Day on a Wednesday. Very hard to kind of celebrate properly. I'm sure we're going to have everybody celebrating properly over the weekend, but still safe. But Horwat, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, the celebrations have already begun, because that's usually when people do celebrate. Also... Uh, it's much, this is much like last year. Yeah. The pandemic is a bit of a, in a different phase. Uh, still don't go out, out to celebrate. Yeah. My God, we, uh, that's just not what we want to be seeing yet. Listen, it's, we've been at it for a year. We can celebrate at home properly in the fun way. Um, but from what I remember, I believe the St. Patrick's day celebrations are usually the week or the Saturday before. Hmm. I don't remember exactly, though. I, all I know is that I saw people partying on Saturday, and it was disappointed. So, there's that. <laughs> we can't really stop anybody else from doing what they want to do. Just hope that people make the right decisions and stay healthy. That's that's all you can hope for. And staying healthy is definitely something the Pittsburgh Penguins have struggled with so far this season and are seemingly getting ready to struggle with yet again. Of course, we're talking about the injuries to Teddy Bluger and then possibly an injury to Evgeny Malkin. Not even possibly, it is an injury, but we'll see the extent of it a little bit later this week. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins are having a little bit of injury issues, but we'll get to that and more on this episode while we're going to talk about the Penns Bruins series that had one very good game for the Penguins, one not-so-good game for the Penguins. And then, of course, we're going to have a guest join us in the second half of the show, Neil Villapiano from the Devil's State of Mind podcast will join us to talk about the New Jersey Devils season so far and how they match up against the Penguins. Of course, because we're having a three-game set with the New Jersey Devils that start today on Thursday, and they'll run through the weekend. So we'll have Neil on in a little bit. But as of right now, we're talking Penns Bruins. Let's talk a little bit about the good before we get to the bad and the ugly. Monday's game, the Penguins take it 4-1. to one. Pretty controlling victory over the Boston Bruins. Exactly what you want to see for their sixth straight game. And the big thing there was really Tristan Jari had a great game. 
He had a phenomenal game. Uh, it wasn't the ideal game you want from your goalie because you don't want him making that many saves. Yeah. Uh, how many shots was it? 43? 42 saves on 43 shots. Oh, yeah. No, that's not what you want to see at all. That's just a lot. I mean, I was at the game, and my buddy Matt was sitting next to me after the first period was said, because he saw how many shots we give up, do we ha- want him to stop 50 shots? And, well, we got damn close to it. Um Hitting 43 is not ideal. I mean, that's over 40 is not a number you see often for a team with shots in yeah. the game. It's not. Um, most of the times you do see it, though, you notice that the goalie seems to be standing on their head. But um, you don't want to be giving up that many shots. So I don't know if it's a situation of we were letting Boston get in too often. We weren't blocking enough shots. It's Maybe they maybe they just so happen to put most of their shot attempts on net. I mean, how many attempts were there? That's another part of it. But, I mean, at the same time, thank God Jari was able to make some huge saves. And also, thank God, and I'll get into this in both games, Boston is not good at passing the puck right now. No. There were multiple chances that um, Pasternak especially had – a wide 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 open cage and guaranteed goals for just about anyone else but um pucks at his feet and he's not able to corral it and it's past him or he misses the net entirely the game could have been a lot closer than four to one and the other game could have been much a much different uh score had that team been able to make passes that's just one thing i noticed about boston who's supposed to be this juggernaut but is um, I forget who said it. Uh, they're a one-line team, though. And I think it the what day was that? The Monday game really showed that. They kind of are just a one-line team. That That's it. And I said this in the last recording. Yeah, that's a great first line. I don't like the name the perfection line. But beyond that, who do they honestly really have besides DeBrusque and I said Krejci. And then you threw Coyle in there. Ah, Coyle didn't look great. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But yeah, who do they have besides those those maybe five guys? And you also have to look at the fact that the Boston Bruins are banged up as well. Right now they're missing Tuka Rask and, and a lot of defensemen. So they are a banged up team as well. We got to take a little bit with a grain of salt, but their forwards aren't as impressive as they have been in recent memory. But still 43 shots is 43 shots. It wasn't yeah. one of those games where it felt like Jari... After the first period, because the first period they gave up 19 shots on goal, and Tristan Jari was just under fire and under siege the entire first period. But after that, I feel like it leveled off pretty well, and the Penguins were able to kind of neutralize the Bruins to outside shots, outside of the dots, up it from the point. And Tristan Jari had a great game. He put together a good, solid outing, and his save percentage now is at 9.06 on the season, which, if you remember where it was at the end of January, to have him at 9.06, that means he has been playing so well. And we've been mentioning it every time we come on here and talk that lately Tristan Jari's game has been great. So that continued on Monday. He got the victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The big stars for the Penguins came out in a big way on Monday. That was probably the best game I've ever seen in my recollection Sidney Crosby play against the Boston Bruins. He had a quiet three-point night, but it wasn't even the stuff that he did to get him points. The entire game, he was he was on it. And it's for a reason that I'll mention a little bit later. But he has a goal from an impossible angle that, yes, maybe Yaroslav Halak should have saved. But it still went in. And then he had two assists on the game as well. So I was impressed with Sidney Crosby, as I usually am. But 
his performance against the Bruins was really good on Monday, and it's one of the best performances I've seen him play against Boston. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. The thing with that uh, sharp angle goal is um, any goal from that angle should be stopped. Hell, any goal in general should be stopped. So, yeah, obviously it's one Tuka Rask wants back. I think he wants the first one back more than Earth Tuka Rask. Yaroslav Halak, but same thing. Yeah, same difference. Um, yeah, obviously uh, he wants both of those back. I'm sure he wants the first one back more. Yeah. Uh, but Crosby's goal, yeah, it was definitely a quiet three-point game, but at the same time, that goal made the exclamation point on it. You kind of figured, oh, if he's scoring a disgusting goal like that, he must have had a couple other points somewhere. And clearly he did, and that goal was just the icing on the cake for it. And like like you mentioned, yeah, you don't want to let that in, but yeah, it's he has scored from that angle so many times that at this point those aren't softies. Mm-hmm. That's something you actually have to watch out for from him if you're a goalie. Um, so it's good that we were able to beat Halak, you know, it, almost immediately after beating Carter Hutton. So two Penguin killers. So that's good on the team that we're not you know not getting past demons in those two but you know getting wins against guys that normally beat us i mean i don't have halak's split in front of me for us and i should have pulled them up and i will but for what it's worth getting a couple of wins there against guys that are usually really good against us is huge and but it's the boston one especially because we know what kind of team boston is Mm -hmm. we know that they're you know they were expected to be winning the the division i don't know i mean now they're obviously in fourth but people still think they're going to turn it around and they're still going to win the division they got about half the year left to do it let's see they got to figure a lot of things out i will hold to they are a one team or one line hockey team i will hold to that so they got to figure it out also we should be talking about the penguins not the boston bruins as much because that's what i've been going off on yeah that's fine i mean you're very passionate when you get to talk about the boston bruins because it's a team that i feel like you do not have any kind feelings towards whatsoever (laughs) to say the yeah. least um yeah it's 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 hard whenever i can't watch any game this year and just kind of relax <laughs> they're all rivalry games i can't i can't watch us give a goal up and go yeah that's all right it's uh it's just this team it's no big deal it's every team's a rival and every team and every game matters so it's a little harder to watch this year on the blood pressure yeah they're definitely taking years off our life this season but <laughs> Something else I wanted to mention about Monday's game before we get into Tuesday's debacle of a day for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Gino gets his 1100th point on a power play goal in the second period. He made it 3-1 to one there. Kind of a pretty Gino goal. Just walking it in from the point. Had some space and just makes a good shot and beats Yaroslav Halak. He is the third Russian-born player to accomplish that feat behind Alex Ovechkin and Sergei Fedorov. And he actually accomplished that feat faster in, in less time than Alex Ovechkin. So congratulations to Gino on a, a crazy accomplishment and a great accomplishment. And at that point, Evgeny Malkin w- was flying high. He had a two-point game. He also had an assist on Evan Rodriguez's opening goal. So the whole team was playing pretty well on Monday. Yeah, the team was clicking. Malkin's goal, I think, is fascinating because the being at the game, the, the Jumbotron showed that little stat of, uh, Evgeny Malkin came into this game two points behind, two points out of uh, 1,100. He had already had the assist. They cut to him reading the damn stat, <laughs> reading it. Uh, and so I just immediately went, he's either getting it or blowing this game. It's going to be one or the other because that's how Gino would get. 
he'll he would read that and get into the mindset of all right now i have to do it and now he's either going to try too hard to get it and screw it up or get it in 20 seconds um it took a little longer than 20 seconds but it took the very next power play and he got it so it was impressive stuff for him and yeah that's not a small number it's something i i noticed he was that he was close to that number and i took it a little for granted because it's not a number you talk about as often um you kind of notice 1000 and then 1500 you kind of skip over the you know the 11 and 12 but still it's a huge mark every hundred points matters um going forward no matter what so it's big for him and it's big that he got it it is one of three russians Mm -hmm. that's cool stuff man he's a hall of famer without a doubt no matter what so um yeah he got it made the team and the whole team looked phenomenal around Mm -hmm. him since you were going down that path yeah, and for Evgeny Malkin, it's actually funny. Whenever all of that happened and you texted me about, hey, he looked up at the stat, and so you had to know inherently that he was going to do it. I was at the game where he scored his 1,000th point, and it was the same exact thing. He had two points shy of it coming into the night, gets a secondary assist at the beginning. However, his 1,000th point wasn't a goal. It was a power play assist where he shot the puck and Phil Kessel was able to pick up the rebound. So kind of the same thing anytime he goes for a milestone now it's going to be he needs two points and he's just going to get them both in one night but i thought it was pretty interesting that you said he looked up at the jumbotron read the stat and was like all right i'm ready to go do this now yep i think that's that's fun stuff i mean because that's one of the situations i've always kind of wondered do these guys know how close they are to milestones i mean especially before the internet became a thing you know i mean obviously the big story is that Lemieux didn't know he had five goals in five different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know, like, how do the are these guys aware, for the most part at least, going into games or during games that they are, you know, this many away from from a certain milestone or this many away from whatever. I think that's a very interesting point that it com- sometimes it comes down to, you know, just reading the jumbotron like that. But we do live in this age of. You know, the internet, statistics everywhere. I'm sure at this point everyone knows their stats mm-hmm. like the back of their hand. Um, but that was one thing whenever I was a little younger and the internet wasn't as prevalent still uh, that I was always kind of curious about. Like, do these guys know going into games that they're close to 1,000 points, close to 100 points? Or, you know, you kind of know during a game if you have two goals when you're one away from a hat trick. That's mm-hmm. different. But that's one thing that I've always wondered about. And obviously when you read it on the Jumbotron, it makes it easy. Yeah, it's a matter of which hockey players actually care about their own stats. And I'm sure during the course of a season, hockey players aren't like, oh, well, I have like 16 goals, 17 goals on the season. I'm sure if there's bonuses tied to like a 20 goal mark, I'm Mm. sure they're aware whenever they're close. And whenever it's milestones like that, I'm pretty sure most players are like, well, I, I should be close to it now. And they probably look at it. I would imagine some players look at their stats, probably don't care as much. But they probably look at them and just see them every once in a while. I mean, what we all look at stats probably too much. I'm sure they look at it at least a little bit. Does do teams still carry statisticians? Do did teams ever do that, or was that just like a high school thing? I don't think the team needs to carry statisticians because I think everybody in the world is a statistician for professional sports at this point. Exactly, but like, do you you? They definitely did at some point, I'm sure. They probably have somebody now that interprets the stats, especially with everybody 
using advanced stats. They probably have somebody that interprets those and lays it out on a nice spreadsheet for, for the general managers and for the coaches. But I'm pretty sure they don't have somebody. I mean, they would have to. The NHL has statisticians, though. I'd say I bet you it's just a different title. It's not statistician. Yeah. It's probably a little more advanced than that. What does Sam Ventura do again? I don't remember his title off the top of my head. Because you said analytics stuff, and I was like, isn't that like Sam Ventura's thing? Sam Ventura's thing, thing is, is extended analytics and hockey analytics. Okay. So, definitely. Okay, so, so he, in a way, could be like the analytics statistician for the team. I don't know. It's just all stuff that um, I have a very old school mindset sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the idea of a statistician before the internet is kind of where I come down on that. Yeah, filling out the boxes in like an MLB handbook. Where, oh, he went to first, okay, he went to second. Yeah, I know where you're getting with that. But let's move on to Tuesday's game because Tuesday, not even in the game itself, but Tuesday as a whole was just a steaming pile of crap for the Pittsburgh Penguins, to be completely honest. First and foremost, we have whatever was going on with John Marino. He was named at like noon that he was going to be a game time decision because he skated yesterday and then by four o'clock he was on the injured reserve that was retroactive to over a week ago which means he's eligible to be taken off at any point so it's clearly a salary cap thing but why is he a game time decision then automatically four hours later all right he's on the ir and actually now that i'm even saying it i realize it's because teddy bluger so yeah it's we that's what it was people just didn't put two and two together then because the Teddy Bluger thing was not talked about at all. And we didn't even it know it was announced. an injury. I saw a couple of things. Like, the, the, the timeline I got from it was someone tweeted out um, what kind of scouts were there, were at the game. And then I saw Lafferty and Jankowski were, well, Jankowski's been there, but Lafferty was kind of shoehorned back in. I figured that was a tryout. I'm thinking... Some deal's getting made with the bottom six, and that's a good move. Or maybe something along those lines. But then my immediate thought was, but why Teddy? Why Teddy? He hasn't missed a game since he started his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured maybe he just needed a rest? I don't know. Maybe weird things are happening. Regardless, it's uh, that was just my thoughts of it. So maybe like those two were getting a tryout somewhere or getting looked at for a trade. So I thought nothing of it. Then I saw a lot of people asking about the Teddy Bluger thing doing so well then he gets healthy scratched because again this wasn't talked about at all Mm -hmm. until after the game we not only is it an injury long term it is a longer term why how what the hell why was that not discussed at all during the day and what the hell is it when did this happen we can't dissect any of this no we don't know when he was injured we don't know what is injured other than the fact that it is an upper body or sorry lower body injury with him and yeah, now the Marino thing makes sense. Put him on the IR so you can pull somebody up for a Bluger and kind of not mess with the salary cap. But at the same time, it's it was crazy when it happened. And then now you're looking back at it. It's such a major blow to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because whenever that lineup did come out, before anybody knew about the Bluger injury, you saw Jankowski on the third line center, and you mm-hmm. saw Lafferty on the fourth line center, and you said, oh boy. Oh boy. What one? What happened yeah. to Bluger? Is it was the first question, which we now know he's injured. Yeah. And two was, how is this team gonna function now? Because Teddy Bluger, it, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's there are two superstar centers. Teddy Bluger is a good center, and then fifty-five piles of crap 
and then there's the rest of their centers. And now the rest of their centers are every center except for Sidney Crosby. Oh, yeah, because then, the, then the Malkin thing happened halfway through the game. Not even halfway through the game. The Malkin thing happened, like, five minutes into the game. Yeah, okay, so the weird thing with the Malkin thing is, which I'm just going to jump mm-hmm. into. So when a guy gets hurt, goes off the ice, goes down the runway, that's one thing. You know, it's, you could think all kinds of things. He's got time to come back. He's got, uh, maybe it's just an equipment issue. But then he comes back out. My thought process is always, okay, if he, if they don't come back out before the end of the, like, before the next period, or, you know what I mean? Like, if they're not out there by the next period, mm-hmm. forget it. Don't even worry about him coming back. But he comes out a few minutes later. Well, that's a good sign. Takes a couple of shifts and directly back down the runway, which is worse. Not even the fact that he decided to give it a go, but it's, or the fact that he... It is the fact that he decided to give it a try. That's what makes it worse to me, is that he didn't think it was much. But clearly it was something that was bothering him that he couldn't play through it. Hockey players will play through things. Especially he could especially not. whenever the third line center is already out. Yes, and he could not. So this is that is not a good situation. We'll find out, you know, after we're done recording because That's how things work. Uh, Saint, well, and St. Patrick's Day as we record this Wednesday, uh, is their off day. And this will be up by then. So, honestly, it makes sense that we won't know. But, hey, future, everyone, tell us how it went. Tell us how bad it is and why we should start panicking. Yeah, the Malkin injury, and we'll get into that a little bit more after we're done covering the Penguins and kind of the the, the everything coming out of that and obviously with the Bluger injury as well. He was hit really hard by Jared Tenorti. It was a good hit. And it's just something happened to his lower body that wasn't quite right. As you mentioned, he came out. He tried it. I guarantee you, if if Teddy Bluger is playing in that game, I highly doubt that Evgeny Malkin comes back out at all, especially considering the fact that he couldn't come out after the first intermission. So I feel like it was it was a big portion of Malkin knows that Bluger's already out. Malkin knows how important this game was against the Bruins because we could have opened up a seven point lead on the Boston Bruins for third place in the division. So he knew it was a huge game. We were already down a man, and then he gets injured. I know what he was trying to do, and I guarantee you if Teddy Bluger was not injured and playing, he wouldn't have done it. But it doesn't. it's ni- neither here nor there with him. The bad thing is if he is out, it's going to be an issue, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's get into another event that included Jared Ternorty in the second period. Brandon Tanev shoots across the ice at a pretty high rate of speed, delivers a clean hit to Ternorty, Lights him, lights him up. Gets a five-minute major and a game misconduct. Ejected from the game. Kind of changes the whole complexion of the game. It's already tough for the Penguins because you're missing two of your top three centers. And now you're taking out your energy guy. And now you're taking out another guy that has the only goal that the Penguins have scored to this point. And Tanev, of course, pleading his case. The referees go back and they even review it. And then they confirm the fact that it is a five-minute major and a game misconduct. So Brandon Tanev's now gone. The Penguins are playing with 10 forwards out of the 12. Not to mention the fact that they are missing Jared McCann, who wasn't able to return. He was a game-time decision, again, which now actually literally means game-time decision. And now they're missing Evgeny Malkin, Teddy Bluger. They were already missing Jason Zucker. And now they're missing Brandon Tanev. That's five of their normal top nine. 
that they are now missing. And you said that the Boston Bruins were a one-line team. That turned the Pittsburgh Penguins into a one-line team really quickly. Oh, quite literally, and by necessity, not by, hey, we think everyone else is good. Um, okay, we're not going to discuss the cleanness or dirtiness of the hit, I feel like, because we can just both agree, hey, it was a clean hit, let's move on. Whenever I, whenever I say clean, I mean definitely not warranting of a five-minute yes. and game misconduct. Yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe charging. I would say boarding. Two-minute penalty, we go. But Okay, so Bob Airy did read the full definition of boarding, and the first thing he said after it was, so it's basically referee discretion, yeah. which is bullshit. Um, yeah, referee discretion is most of the game, considering technically, since considering technically every penalty is at referee's discretion. Um, but... I just don't know how you can call boarding when he is a that far away from the actual boards. And it's, it listen, everyone will say it. it's unfortunate that was the outcome. Oh, nobody's saying anything to the contrary yeah. of that. We all hope that Tenorti is okay because it did not look good on the ice when he when he when he got hit. It did. He just went awkwardly into the boards and it it looked like it was maybe his his neck that hit and and had him yeah. out. I don't know, but you just hope that he's okay. And it also doesn't help that. This literally is not the first time they've had a hit like this. I mean, the Tom Wilson one was another was another Bruin. It was Brendan Carlo, yeah. who they have no update on yet. And I'm guessing there's no update on Sonority yet. Um, but just, yeah, these are unfortunate situations. But it was a clean hit in the term of a boarding call. Was it charging? Yes. That's a two-minute penalty. You move on. It's not boarding. I mean, everyone thinks of boarding as the player in a vulnerable position normally facing the boards already and you usually imagine the guy going head first into him mm-hmm. none of that happened none of that he was far away from them did he go head first into the boards no it was kind of the back he got him on the front everyone is in agreement it seems on twitter that it was for the most part a clean hit was there a charge sure that's two minutes that's not five in a game and God, I just, I'm trying to remember what we said about the Tom Wilson thing. Because the, that's, which which that Tom was... Wilson thing? The Brandon Carlo hit or the hit that he had on Mark Jankowski prior to that? The Carlo, the Carlo one. hit? The Carlo I, one because I the Jankowski. I that was dirty. And I don't, I said it was dirty as in it deserved a penalty. I didn't think it deserved a suspension because that was literally my call out last week for NHL player safety, which, I mean, holding true here again. Uh, Tanev's not getting anything though, right? Not that I've seen as of now, but still NHL player safety. I feel like the referees are an extension of that. They technically are. And the reason they called that was player safety, but you cannot call a penalty and you cannot toss a guy out based on the outcome of a hit. You have to do it based on the severity and the legalness of the hit. And yeah, was it a charging? Yes. When I think of the actual definition of boarding, boarding is a guy that is in a defenseless position Tenorti did have his head up and did see Brandon Tanev coming and was far away from the board. So, yeah, that's actually a gray area when it comes to boarding. Charging 100%. Yeah, he 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 went the length or the width of the ice going for him. And clearly because I wonder why. Because of the Evgeny Malkin injury. But what happens there is a two-minute charging call, in my opinion. And people might disagree with me, but that's fine. There should not be a fine. There should not be a suspension. There shouldn't have even been a five-minute major 
But I just don't understand how they could review it and still come to that conclusion after seeing it. Because the point of contact was clean the entire way through. Unfortunate where he landed, but I feel like the definition of boarding, it can kind of check some boxes and be official discretion. But if you're calling a five-minute major, that's because your discretion was taken out of the thing and it was such an egregious act that you had no discretion, that you had to call it, and it was so bad that you have to call it for five minutes and toss them. I don't think that was the case. And I feel like that not only changed the complexion of this game, that could shift the complexion of the standings in the East Division. I don't want to take too much into it at this point because they did not score on that power play, on that five-minute power play, which was amazing for the Penguins, especially considering they didn't have their two best penalty killers in Brandon Tanev. And Teddy Bluger. So it was a very impressive penalty kill by a lowly Penguins penalty kill unit. And that was huge. Unfortunately, I'm sure most people are going to forget that great effort by that penalty kill because the Penguins ended up losing the game. And it, it's unfortunate, but it's the lay of the land. If you win that game, that penalty kill is highlighted and is plastered in everybody's memories for the rest of the season. But since you lost the game, it kind of goes without saying, and that's basically what's going to happen with the Tanev hit. Yeah, so first thing, I'm the safe assumption is that Tanev's going to get nothing from player safety because they had already tweeted four hours ago about um, that other yes. hit, uh, that he's going to have a hearing on everything. But um, I think the big takeaway from that hit is Sidney Crosby, who normally not very outspoken on things league-wise. Um said you know right now the direct quote is right now it's really hard to tell or really hard to know what is in fact clean and what's not and when a guy like Crosby says something like that you gotta figure there's more to not more to come from it but that everyone can kind of agree on one way or the other here that it's hard to know what is right and wrong what is clean and not yeah. here because that's basically him saying He's, you know, playing devil's advocate and not saying it is clean or dirty, but saying we don't know what is anymore. No one does. Yeah. Because this is all official discretion, and the discretion seems to be inconsistent as all hell. So it's hard for them to follow along. For the most part, I think the common, the common consensus is that the hit was clean, and that ensuing penalty kill was incredible. It was great because every time you see Boston get possession, you figure this is the one because we don't have Tanov or Bluger. And for what it's worth, we don't have Malkin either. But then you notice Crosby is out there and getting a couple chances. Mm -hmm. He's getting a couple offensive chances while while killing the penalty. Um, nothing comes from it. and But the second that penalty ends, it's of all people, Mark Jankowski with the breakaway. <laughs> I, I saw him get that breakaway. I never stood up so fast. And I'm thinking to myself as he's skating, if he buries this, I will take a take back every bad thing I ever said about him. <laughs> because he will, with that goal, he would have endeared himself to an entire city. Like that. Nah, he's still in the doghouse. And, <laughs> and then it hits the damn, the damn post. Give me anyone else on that breakaway. Anyone else. See if he was flying around that game. He probably would have buried it. I mean, I bet Lafferty would have put up a better chance. He would have looked a lot faster skating at least. I mean, plus, because I'm thinking it's Jankowski. It's a, his, this kid in net is playing his second career game, and his first one came in relief. There's no way he's not 
a little shaken there. Anyone but Jankowski's burying that. I <laughs> even with that shot that hit the post. Like I'd like to think that you're wrong, and not anybody but Jankowski would bury that. But considering the luck that Mark Jankowski has had so far this season, I, I, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with you there. But you do have to also give kind of commendations to to Vladar. Is is, is that how you say? It? I keep wanting to say Vlader. Damn Vlader! Yeah. yeah, it's Vladar, but and absolutely you have to give him a his great props. game in his first. NHL career starts. He made that save on Colton Seaver in the first period. And at that point you had to understand that, listen, this kid might be in his first start, but he is not going to be a pushover tonight. He's feeling it. And he felt it all night. And and unfortunately he didn't get a shutout because Brandon Tanev scored a goal, but fortunately for him, he got a win. The Penguins lose two to one still in a really good effort. And for a yeah, team that is, it was a phenomenal a game. team that is very undermanned in the Penguins. Not only are you playing with ten forwards, you're playing without your top two centers and without your energy guy in a game where you could really use him. Yeah, like that. For what it is worth, I'm trying to pull the stats up here. It was a great game. I mean, we ripped off 35 shots. Mm-hmm. I, if you would have told me only had ten forwards and only had 35 shots, nope, wouldn't have believed you. Well, that's what we did. I mean, that's more shots than they had. Yeah, our face-offs percentage needs to be fixed and helped quickly because yeah. it's not good. But I think there was just something about the fact that we were able to kill off that penalty. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We killed off that penalty. Jankowski got that breakaway. And from the Jankowski breakaway on, I said the Bruins weren't able to connect passes. And that, that was a common thing in both games. Again, it should have been more than a two to one victory if they were able to connect passes. Yeah. The the Penguins were not getting any bounces. None. From the second that that uh puck at the post on Jankowski shot, it seemed. Mm-hmm. From then on, every bounce was like pucks were bouncing off players' sticks for the Penguins. Referees were getting in the way. There was just unlucky bounces the entire way we we weren't getting the puck luck for the rest of the game if one of i'm not saying we were going to immediately go down and score on if one pass connects yeah but if you get a little bit more momentum just off of connecting these passes and not flubbing them and then having to skate back five feet to retreat and regroup again you 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 build a little more momentum in a game where it seems like we had a lot of the momentum especially after that penalty kill we played a great game it just sucks that you know, maybe a pass wasn't another foot to the left or a little bit further up on the tape. And that's kind of why this was such a close game and a great game, no less. Yeah, it sucked we lost. Yeah, it sucks that Tanev had to take a take a penalty like that. Yeah, it sucks Malkin got injured. This All things were looking negative for us. It should have been um, maybe 5-1. to one. All right, maybe 5-2 to two because it's a rookie goalie in there. But it's... So be it. We kept it close. We kept it a good game. And whether or not um, we don't know how the lineup turns out after this, because there's a lot of questions right now. Um, let's. Just, but if everyone was healthy and doing okay, I would be extremely confident in this team. But I got to know how everything turns out injury-wise tomorrow first. Yeah, the way that they've been playing, there's an utmost confidence in the roster and the way that they have played. Yeah. Where the confidence is lacking for both of us right now is the fact that they had injuries at the beginning of the season all on their blue line. And now it seems like the blue line is finally healthy. And now it's our forwards turn 
to just completely get depleted with injuries. And if it's injuries such as Evgeny Malkin, it's already Jason Zucker. If Jared McCann, who should be back soon, that'll be a help. But Teddy Bluger going out, I mean, Teddy Bluger that one hurts. is an Iron Penguin Award winner from last season. He was the last remaining winner from last season, and now he's out. So you have four players left. If Geno misses a game, you're going to be down to three players left that have played in every game this year already, and we're just past the halfway point. So it is definitely a difficult time for the Pittsburgh Penguins with injuries. You hope that the players that are injured are starting to come back. You hope that the players that just got injured are not too injured. Obviously, Bluger is out longer term, but you hope for the best, especially with Evgeny Malkin. But let's talk a little bit about what this loss means. To me, the actual loss is exactly what it is. It is a loss 2-1 to one to the Boston Bruins. Cut and dry, it's done. It, it doesn't have really big implications. I mean, yeah, in the standings, it'll have implications. You want to win those games, but at the same time, it's a loss. It's a 2-1 to one loss in a t- game that you were shorthanded. That happens. It doesn't change how I feel about the way the Penguins have been playing. It doesn't change about the way I feel about where they're at in the standings. So I'm not too, too worried. Now, the injuries, that could be debilitating to me. Yeah, it's the injuries that are going to make the difference in this. Again, you said it's just a loss, and you're totally right. Because going into that game, I mean, what, we were five points up on them? Yeah. Yeah, five points up. We could have lost two games and still been up on them. Not saying that's what we wanted to do, but the fact that we had that sort of breathing room there means, you know, you don't want to. But you take that loss, okay, now you just rebuild from it, regroup. You're not losing a spot in the standings. Hell, even if you won, you weren't going to jump a spot. It was kind of a game where, not that it didn't mean anything, but it meant that there was going to be no movement, and it was just another game to solidify yourself, You know, get some momentum growing. Um, and the injuries really hurt us. I, I would have loved to have seen Malkin after that penalty. I would have loved to see him on the ice after that penalty because – no one was happy. And of all people, Trent Frederick, by the way, who is he from Boston? He certainly seems like it the way he plays, doesn't God, he? Yeah, because he, I just heard on what podcast I was just listening to. Oh, the Steve Dangle podcast. They were talking about Trent Frederick and that he is a, he is a Bruin created in a lab for Boston. That's just the way he plays. It's the way he is. I would have loved to have seen Gino come out lying after that penalty, after that kill. And see him probably scare that goalie into never playing hockey again. <laughs> um, but so be it. Again, it's not the worst loss because we played damn good and it was a close game. And it's not like we lost a playoff spot or lost a spot in the standings from it. What we just have to do is take damn good advantage of these Devils and, and Sabres games coming up. Yeah, we have five straight games against those two teams. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you want to go out there and win all five. You want to you want to go into those games against the Islanders, which is immediately following those five, and you want to have a five-game win streak. You want to be saying, hey, we've won 11 of our last 12 games because that will put you in the position to become second place, first place in the division, especially with these other teams. You saw Washington play the Islanders on Tuesday. Yeah, the Penguins didn't lose any ground, but they could be they could be within three points of first place if they would have won that game on Tuesday with a seven point buffer with Boston. But you know what could have been isn't what is. And the big thing that I also wanted to mention first of all, Trent Frederick is from St. Louis, Missouri, so he is not quite a Boston born, but he does have that blue collar in him based on the city he was born in. And 
the big thing I noticed, I already mentioned that Monday night, Sidney Crosby had one of his best games against the Boston Bruins that you're going to see. Three points, played well basically the entire night. If you noticed on Monday night who Bruce Cassidy put the perfection lineup against more often, it was the Malkin line. Because the Malkin line was more of a threat going into that game. So Malkin had to go up against Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and David Posternock. Sidney Crosby historically does not do well against Patrice Bergeron. And you saw what happened on Tuesday when Malkin was gone and that line was neutralized. Then Bergeron gets to be glued to Sidney Crosby and you see the result. Not only were the Penguins a one-line team, they were a one-line team when Crosby is head-to-head with one of his greatest kryptonites in Patrice Bergeron. And what you get is a one-goal performance against a rookie goaltender. So that is why that Malkin injury means so much because basically you took our second and third centers, which afterwards, there's not much center depth in the Penguins organization. We talked a couple weeks ago about, hey, would we rather have Jankowski, Evan Rodriguez, or Jared McCann as our fourth-line center. And now those are going to be our second, third, and fourth-line centers moving forward if Malkin isn't able to return. So you hope for the best. It helps that we are going to be playing two of the worst teams in the division coming up, but those teams are still good teams. I mean, I, I kind of facetiously say that about Buffalo, who just fired Ralph Kruger earlier today, but those teams are still NHL teams. And if you are putting out this lineup where you don't have any centers really other than Sidney Crosby, it's going to be a difficult sell to win three to five of those games. I mean, what did we say? They are NHL teams with NHL players. And let's not forget, it is a Buffalo team that has Carter Hutton, who is a penguin killer. And also a great lineup had it been five years ago. Then there are the Devils who... We'll talk about... Let's be... Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about. Because let's be real, they're not the Penguins don't play them the greatest. They don't, especially in Prudential Center where two of these games will be held. But we'll talk about all that with Neil Villapiano. Before I send it to a commercial really quickly, I did want to mention again, as I have the previous two episodes, about a new podcast coming to the Hockey Podcast Network called We're All a Little Crazy with Theo Fleury, Darren Ravel, and Eric Cusson. Of course, this podcast is about mental health, sports, society, experiences, and education of course the main meat of that is about mental health awareness and trying to end the stigma so definitely tune into that i'm very excited for that podcast to drop and i hope everybody tunes in when it comes out absolutely uh we don't know any dates on that yet do we not that i'm aware of no i don't have a date on that but just keep an eye out for that as soon as we do know a date we'll definitely let everybody know yeah we'll be sure to let everyone know keep an eye out and i'm excited for it so should be fun time should be a good show We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll be joined by the one and only Neil Villapiano from the Devil's State of Mind podcast. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are now joined by somebody who has been not on the show recently, but we're happy to finally get him back on, Neil Villapiano from the Devil's State of Mind Podcast, covering the New Jersey Devils for the Hockey Podcast Network. 
Neil, how's it going today, man? Uh, you know, it's it's going pretty well. Uh, I didn't know how it was going to feel when I came on today, especially after, you know, before last night's game against Buffalo. But they did find a way to win that game. So I'm a little bit in a better mood um, than I had been in the last couple of games. But but I'm doing really well. How you guys doing? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. I mean, we're waiting on some big news for some of our players. So we don't exactly um, have a full feeling of how we feel. But for now, we're okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's, it's important to uh, stay cautiously optimistic. Yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a wild morning, I think, tomorrow. A lot of what's going to happen tomorrow morning is going to shape what's going to happen over the next three games for the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New Jersey Devils. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the Devils season so far because we haven't seen the Devils yet. It's been halfway through the season. We have not seen the New Jersey Devils yet. And the big thing I want to talk about is somebody that you haven't really even seen either. In his first season as Devils captain, Nico Heischer has only played in five games so far this season. And I know I'm probably breaking your heart. But he's now going to miss about three more weeks due to surgery to repair a sinus fracture. How deeply has that affected this team's season? And where do you think the team would be if he wasn't to have all these issues? Well, that's a really tough question because when Nico first returned to the Devils and, you know, and everything, we got, that was the beginning of when we got into our really rough patch where we started losing a lot of games. We weren't really doing the things that we were doing before. And so his loss is not incredibly dramatic, but it would be better to have him in the lineup uh, rather than not. And it's frustrating because he's only played five games this year by the time he supposedly is coming back and, it's not a guarantee that in three weeks he's going to be ready to go. Um, he's only going to be able to play 20 games. So by the time, if he plays the last 20 games, he will have played only a third of this season, which is difficult because it's, it's preventing him from building chemistry with some of the young players that we have on this team, some of the new guys that we brought in, and different things like that. And especially because he is now the captain of our team, it's tougher for him to grow into that role when he's not surrounding himself with the guys on a day-to-day -day basis like everybody else is. So it's been frustrating, um, but it's more of a relief that we finally got some answers with where he is and what's going on and what his situation is. And we all knew that when he got hurt, it wasn't you know one of those situations where like when Taylor Hall got hit with a puck last night against the Devils, he was able to come back in the game and keep playing. No, for Nico's sake, he really got messed up on that play. I do find it ironic that in both cases it involved P.K. Subban in one way or another. But, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. But, again, for Nico to be out another couple of weeks is frustrating. But this whole season has been frustrating, quite frankly. I mean, the season has been frustrating for a lot of teams. And it, a lot of times it has been off the ice stuff, not just the play. But, I mean, the Penguins have been lucky enough for the most part to kind of avoid – um, complications through players or through games of uh, through, because of the COVID protocols and the rescheduling situations, the Devils missed a large amount of time. Um, were there any adverse effects from that whenever that happened? I kind of don't remember when it was now, but I did notice that um, on the hockey reference page that you guys had like two weeks off, I think it was? 16 days to be exact. Yeah. So yeah, were there, ad yeah, were there any like adverse effects from that? What did the team have to do during that time? Well, unfortunately, it was one of those situations where 
somebody just happened to have it and then it just spread very, very quickly. And there wasn't really anything the team could do other than to try to get people, you know, quarantined as quick as possible. And I think that there is something to be said about the after effects of the virus um, is affecting these players. I think that's why stamina wise in some games, we're just being outskated half the time because we're just flat out tired. And it doesn't help that we're also playing every other day. We're playing every other day and back to back on the weekends. We really just don't get a lot of time off the ice. Lindy Ruff today allowed his players to actually have a day off instead of practicing, which, I mean, there's good things to that and then not good things because now we got to prepare to play the Penguins, who, as you guys mentioned, we haven't even played yet. So we don't, we have a good idea as to what to expect, but until we actually get on the ice and start playing, it's a completely different story. But for the Devils, it was really just taking it one day at a time and just waiting for the chips to fall where guys were slowly but surely coming off the list. And I remember when it was about 10 days in, not only had we not had somebody come off, but we had had, had to add more players. So it kind of felt like after a while, I said, you know what? It may get so bad that we have to quit the rest of the season. Like we have to just end it because we don't have a prayer of, of recovery. But luckily within the next couple of days, guys started to come off the list, which was great. And we got back on the ice, but I think after, you know, even though we won our, the next two games that we played after coming back from the 16-day hiatus, I think that's been somewhat of, somewhat of a big factor as to why we've been struggling so much, especially in most recent times. It's actually kind of humorous, and I don't want to say humorous because nothing about COVID is humorous, but to think that the Devils' COVID layoff was the same amount of days as the Penguins' general manager starts earlier in this season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's... That's unfortunately sometimes what it is. We knew, look, everybody knew that this was going to be a difficult season. They knew the task was difficult when they took it. And we knew that everybody was going to be in danger no matter what the situation is. And some teams have gotten fortunate and some teams have not. I mean, I remember when Sidney Crosby was on the COVID list for what, a day, two days? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, everybody hit the panic button then because it was like, okay, so if Sidney Crosby is out, that means anybody can get it. And the Devils, it was just an unfortunate situation that they had – the longest, you know, time between playing their last game and playing their next game because of COVID. And it's not good because we're, we are a rebuilding team trying to build chemistry and trying to create an identity. And we just don't have the time to do that this year. And, and, and Nick, you were on uh, the this, this week's episode of the Devil's State of Mind, and you brought it up, and I wanted to give you credit for it, that it's a year where it's impossible for us to really build anything because we just don't have time and we don't have opportunities like we would have in regular regular seasons to get things going. And so it's it's tough to have this rough patch because it pretty much is just guaranteed and for the most part that our chances of maybe even making somewhat of a crazy run to somehow squeak into the playoffs has pretty much been destroyed. And there is it's tough because there's also not a lot of hope right now, but maybe winning last night, albeit it was Buffalo, but winning last night is just, you know, it's just maybe the thing that this team needs to uh, kind of turn things around a little bit. So last year, Kyle Palmieri was a top trade candidate. And we talked about it, like you mentioned on the devil state of mind podcast this week. And now general manager, Tom Fitzgerald last year was able to hold Pat and say, you know what? I'm going to keep him this time. Do you think this time around Palmieri is still going to be in New Jersey after the deadline? That is a really tough question, especially with the news we just got from the Islanders about Anders Lee being out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. Um, I think that just basically opened 
uh, the opportunity even more for Paul Mary to possibly be traded because um, before Lou Lamorello left the Devils as general manager, he kind of he brought in Ray Shiro and he kind of groomed him for like maybe a couple weeks. And during that period, Ray Shiro actually got convinced by Lou to trade for Kyle Palmieri when they did, um, when he was still in Anaheim. So Lou has somewhat of a connection with Kyle Palmieri, not as much as he has with like Travis Ajak or Andy Green or even Corey Schneider. But I think that they they probably look at Kyle Palmieri as, even though he's had a bad year, I mean, I'm going to put it bluntly, he's had a really, really bad year offensively, you know, statistically. Um, he could still be a really good player on the top six role, somebody that the Islanders could depend on. So I think that there's a more, there's none more of a likely possibility, but I think the chances of him getting traded have increased somewhat. But again, I think Fitzgerald is not going to make a move unless he gets exactly what he wants, and I don't really know what that is. We are not sure. We kind of figured it out once we made the trades for, you know, when we traded Sammy Votnin. We figured out what Fitzgerald was looking for, a young, talented player. Who did we get? Yanni Kwokinen. We traded Blake Coleman to Tampa. What did we get? A first-round pick, and we got Nolan Foote. We got a really good haul for a guy like Blake Coleman. If we had traded Palmieri last year, we might have gotten a pretty good haul, maybe even better than what we got for Blake Coleman, depending on who we traded him to. This year might be tougher, especially if there are Canadian teams interested, because as we know, we have that 14-day quarantine and things like that. That's why when they're saying Palmieri to the Islanders, it just makes more sense because the Islanders don't have to wait around. They need that top six winger. And, you know, the trade deadline is coming up pretty quickly. I don't know what the Islanders could give the Devils that would be that would be suitable for what Fitzgerald is looking for. Because, again, we don't know what Tom Fitzgerald is actually looking for. But I think that what's most likely going to happen is this. The Devils will try to trade Palmieri. They probably won't get what they want. They will keep him and then probably give him a three- or four-year contract. That, to me, is my prediction. I'm not guaranteeing that. That's just what I think is most likely going to happen. It's really interesting. I mean, the team has been very just kind of scattered almost throughout the year because you have such a young group of guys that have such a bright future ahead of them. You have guys like Kyle Palmieri who are these veterans that have been around and then your COVID layoff situation. It's been a very scattered year and it kind of adds to my question of what is the the devil's identity this year because they're not a good team for the most part. But they also don't seem like a totally horrible team because they have such a bright future and names that can really do something. Just what is the identity and how scattered this all is? Well, I like to use the word scattered because Nick used the word inconsistency, which I agree with 100%. We are, we are, really, we are really struggling to create any sort of consistency. Uh, luckily, our third line of uh, Zajac, Yanni Kwokin, and Igor Sharangovich has been really doing well the last couple of games, so it's nice to see some consistency uh but i guess the identity that i really would try to use for this team is that we're a young team that likes to use our speed that's really what i would say we're not a physical team we're not the devils of years past where we try to play a physical type of game or have one or two guys that do that i mean we have miles wood but he uses his speed way more than he tries to use his physicality especially as he's gotten older but we're a young fast team that is really big on skill level and talent and because we're so undeveloped and we have so many guys making big strides to play in the NHL, guys like Yanni Kwokinen and Sharon Govich and even Jack Hughes, even though he's played a year in the NHL, 
these guys haven't been playing in the NHL that long. They're all making debuts left and right. They're doing things they've never done before. And it's things like that. You have another guy like Mikhail Moltsev, same thing. Hadn't played in the NHL until this year. So we're a young team that will take a lot of chances. We will bring the defenseman up in the zone to try to create more offensive chances. But it will lead to more two-on-ones. I think the Devils probably do lead the league in two-on-ones given up because we usually only will have one defenseman back. And it's usually P.K. Subban, and as we all know, he doesn't really play defense. But, you know, that is what it is. He's never been a defenseman per se. But, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of the identity. A young, fast team that relies heavily on skill, at least at this moment. And it might change as we move along in this rebuild. But that would be the best way I would describe this team. And also just being inconsistent. But that comes with the territory of being a young, inexperienced uh, hockey club. Fortunately for you, I think the Penguins have the worst conversion percentage on two-on-ones in the history of the NHL this season. So you might be okay these next three outings. But I mean, you know, the only thing I'll say is this. The Penguins have arguably the worst record ever at the history of Prudential Center. Like, they just don't win at the Prudential Center. I've never been – I didn't realize it until about – like five or six years into the Devils being at the Prudential Center, that the Penguins just really struggle at the Rock. And it doesn't matter how good or bad either team is. It just, they just don't seem to win there. So hopefully the Devils could use that to try to create some opportunities and give themselves a chance. And like I said before, beating Buffalo last night maybe gives them a little bit of confidence going into this. And playing against Pittsburgh, it's a clean slate. We have not played eight eight of the games that we're supposed to play against them. We still have an opportunity to try to compete with another team that's probably going to make it out of the top four. We're 3-0-1 against Boston. We've been struggling against Washington, struggling against the Islanders. Um, We haven't played the Flyers that much. We've only played them twice, and we didn't win either one of those games, so we're struggling against them. But this gives us an opportunity to start clean with with a team we haven't played yet and see how we match up. Well, speaking of matching up, how do you believe it's going to be matching up? You said that the Devils have kind of a young, inexperienced, but still could be high-flying, high-action team. How do you think they match up with a Pittsburgh Penguins team that has a little bit more experience? And even if the Penguins don't have Evgeny Malkin for that game or if Teddy Bluger for that game, who are two of their better centers, how do you think these two teams will match up in this three-game set? I think offensively, we match well with Pittsburgh. Um, defensively, I would say we we definitely are going to have problems. Especially, I mean, look, you know it's going to be a tough day when Sidney Crosby is on the other side of the ice. I mean, it's it, no matter what, no matter how old he is, no matter what players he has around him, he's going to set his teammates up to put them in the best position to succeed. So the biggest thing for the Devils is that they need to stay out of the box. I know the penalty kill has been really good of late. And we've killed off our last 17 in a row or something like that, something crazy. Um, We just can't afford to go on the penalty kill and allow guys like Crosby and possibly Malkin and Gensel and guys like that to be able to do some things. Because once we go to the sin bin a bunch, we are going to be in trouble. But I think five on five, we match up well with anybody because, like I said, we're young, we're fast, and some teams are not – don't have the world's most talented, most fast defensemen, and can struggle a little bit. And I think 
The Devils just have to simplify their game of just putting the puck on net and not worrying about looking for the pretty shot, not you know looking for anything. A lot of the goals they scored last night were not the most beautiful goals we've ever seen. Miles Wood's game-winning goal was a deflection off a Jesper Bratt shot. It wasn't it wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. Um, if it's a low-scoring game, the Devils give themselves a better opportunity. If it's a high-scoring, it might be difficult because of our defense. Uh, goaltending has slightly improved. Blackwood is getting back to the form that we had seen in the beginning of the year. And Scott Wedgwood is kind of having somewhat of a revelation uh, since he got back to Jersey. He's been playing pretty well. Um, just his teammates have just not been able to support him from a goal-scoring standpoint. But I think we we match up well if we can stay five-on-five five as much as we can. I mean, it's a lot to see how it all goes going forward. But, I mean, no, no matter what happens, win or lose, um, the Devils' Twitter account will be spot-on and amazing. I just need to know who runs that account and why are they not given a raise? I, You know, the funny thing is that every year, a lot of us on Devils' Twitter, we try to find out who the guy is running the social media because it'll vary from year to year because sometimes it changes and it's always and always somebody randomly comes across it without even realizing it because they don't put it in their bio yeah oh i run the social media account we just happen to find it and we go okay that's the dude yeah i don't know why we're so completely relentless with everyone i mean we we attack we woke we wake up every day choosing violence and it doesn't matter how <laughs> good or bad we are we choose violence like last night like, just last night, we beat Buffalo, and all the Devils Twitter account wanted to talk about was their wings suck. Like, that was literally the <laughs> only thing we wanted to talk about. And it's just hilarious. And I love when other fans of other teams come on our Twitter to try to say something, because they probably know that the Devils Twitter is going to go after them at some point. And they're just, like, relentless. And what I think it is is great is that it's probably a dude that's probably within my my age range that understands young people what they what they find funny on the internet. Yep. And I mean, we created a an office meme during that's, the game. That's like, what I was, was going to bring up on the spot. This like it's somebody said like, did you have this already planned to go? <laughs> no, we did it on the spot. How do you do that on the spot like that? It was that it was incredible. It was actually crazy. The editing is so quick to get that up. And then to have that, like, because it doesn't take, like, five seconds, five minutes to make a video like that or a meme like that. It's just incredible seeing how quickly they've been able to work. And not only that, but even the other one. There was that other one where it was the guy asking what your name is and how they said um, a very, whatever it was, the exchange at Falk. Every little tweet has just been something hysterical and it's something I think more teams need to take advantage of because it is entertaining and I brought this up because again I said the Devils aren't that great of a team it is so fun seeing someone have fun with this and that's what you got to do I mean it, you know the team mantra this year has been enjoy the ride um because I mean it's right. we talked about before it's a season like no other like we're never yeah. going to have a 52 game season again, you know, knock on wood. I really hope we don't. Um this we're playing in the division of death as I call it, you know, arguably the toughest division in the National Hockey League. And we're a young team that's entering the first year of a second rebuild this time with Fitzgerald in charge. Might as well go out there and have some fun. And yeah. and and it's not just from the players perspective, it's from the coaches, it's from management, it's from everybody who works and is involved with the Devils. Let's just have fun. And 
that's where it was at the beginning of the year when we were winning games we weren't supposed to and surprising the hell out of everybody. Um, it's been tougher of late, but the one thing that has stayed consistent is the saltiness that we have when it comes to just deciding to obliterate everybody else's fan base and everything like that. And it was, I remember, I think it was one of the games we, you know, we were playing the Islanders and the Devils Twitter account said like, good morning to Devils fans and Devils fans only. An Islander fan comments and says, well, what about Islander fans? Can't we be friends? And not even like, there wasn't any long spiel. All he just said was no. And that like, for some reason, everyone thought that was hysterical. And that was the thing that was funny. And then like, Buff, the Sabres Twitter account tried to chime in one time, and it was just like, well, first of all, the fact that you're trying to chime in is a lost cause because you're going to get roasted. Um, <laughs> Rangers fans in particular get roasted. I'm sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Penguins fans would get roasted. I don't know what exactly we'd be targeting, but I'm sure the social media guy right now is looking up ideas as to how to completely obliterate uh, Penguins Twitter if we do find a way to win um, one of these games or, you know, have some success, which I would like to think that we'll have an opportunity to do so. Yeah, I forget what her name is, but she's usually pretty good, um, whoever runs the Penguins Twitter, so we'll have to see. I'm expecting some good things. We'll, we'll, we'll do our best. That's all I'll say. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to bring down the hammer as best as we can. It'll be a showdown on the ice and on Twitter as well, so it'll be definitely fun to watch in a weird strange three-game series between the Penguins and the Devils. The Penguins had a three-game series about two weeks ago against the Philadelphia Flyers, the first time they have ever played a team three straight times in the regular season. So now this is the second time that this happened. And Neil, I know you're a bit of a baseball fan, and so am I. So going into this weekend series, who takes the cake? And what what are you predicting? Oh, you want me to give you a prediction? Wow, I've not, I haven't done this uh, all year. Uh you know, look, the, the tough thing is that, the, the, first of all, the strange thing is that it's not like all three games are, are in New Jersey. It's mm-hmm. we have Thursday's game in New Jersey, Saturday's game in New Jersey, and then the very next day, the third game is in Pittsburgh. I know we're trying to, avo- you know, we're talking about like, you know, not having players travel as much so that the COVID doesn't spread. This doesn't really help. And especially because it's a day game in New Jersey and then it's a day game in Pittsburgh. So the Devils are going to be traveling. They're only going to be in Pittsburgh for maybe all of like 12 hours and then go right back home. So that's kind of a crazy thing. But if I were to predict, if I'm going to be honest, we probably will win one of the two games at home. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Thursday or it's going to be Saturday. And it's tough, um, but I don't see us winning in Pittsburgh. I think we're going to end up getting gassed at that point. Um, and that'll be it. And I know Horvat is just, he's still on Devil's Twitter, like looking at this guy. I, <laughs> he definitely that's is. Literally what I, I'm, that's, I'm trying that's to find who our Twitter account manager is. I can't find it though. But yeah, I would say probably the Penguins are going to end up winning two out of the three. But I think they'll all be competitive games. I don't expect, the Devils don't really get blown out that much. They've only gotten blown out maybe once or twice. And by blown out, I mean they lost. They lost six to one. They lost six to one or six to two to the Rangers a couple weeks ago, um, six to three. But we've really never gotten blown out by four or five goals or like being like Ottawa and losing six nothing. We haven't done that, which is a good thing because that means that we're being somewhat competitive. I think because um, it's new territory for both teams, I would expect there to be somewhat of a feeling out process the first five ten minutes of the um, of the first game. 
and then just kind of go from there and see how it goes. But I would say probably the Penguins are going to end up taking two out of three in this three-game set. Hey, fair enough on that point. I definitely think that it is going to be a good series of games. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Penguins' health. Hopefully Malkin and Bluger can come back because otherwise I, I think it could be interesting. And I think if the Penguins aren't ready to play in Prudential Center, especially on Saturday, because you said that for some reason the Pens can't win on the Rock. The Pens definitely can't win on the Rock in afternoon games. And I know you've mentioned to me that the Devils aren't great in afternoon games either. So Saturday might be a, a whole ass shit show. It, it might be it might be a six to five game that just really no team was neither team just decided to come out and do anything. And uh, it's it's going to be wild. It's I think it I think it'll be interesting because the Devils and Penguins don't really have a distaste, a dislike for each other. There isn't really much of a rivalry because the Devils and Penguins have had a couple series in their history where they played in the playoffs, but I've never felt like it was ever like, you know, like what the Penguins have with the Flyers or the Penguins have with the Rangers or even the Capitals. I feel like we're more on the level of like the Islanders, maybe to a lesser extent. Um, just we're just the annoying like cousin that you only see um, at like Christmas time. Like you only see us every once in a while and you tolerate us, I guess would be the right way to explain it. <laughs> That's fair. Cause I'm just trying to think of the last time the devils really made an impact in penguin history. And I can only think of the time Yager scored two in game six. And then the big game seven in whenever the devils were the one seed, I forget what year that was, but it saved our franchise entirely. So that's the only time I can remember. I only, like, the biggest memory I have from, like, well, I have, like, two. One of them was that, um, as Nick and I talked about yesterday, the last time the Devils played a game at home, you know, before the mm -hmm. shutdown happened was against Pittsburgh, and they yep. beat us. And what was annoying was that had we won that game, we would have played Pittsburgh in the first round of that play-in tournament, which I actually would have had somewhat confidence that we could win, especially since Montreal had a lot of success against Pittsburgh. I think we would have had the same amount of success. And the other one was, I think it was like two or three years ago, it was in overtime and Crosby single-handedly knocked the puck out of the air and into the net. This is when they still had Keith Kincaid. Yep. So, you know, of course that puck was going to go in, but it was just like, I've never hated Crosby. I've always been dumbfounded by just the things that he can do sometimes. And him knocking the puck out of the air in overtime was just like, well, I mean, it's Sidney Crosby. I don't think you can, I don't really think you can put anything past him, but you know, look, I'm a I'm a fan of Sid the Kid, even though he's not really a kid anymore. Um, Sid the Elder, I guess. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know how old he is. Like at this point, is he like what 35? Two. 30, 32. I'm way off. Apparently, I'm way off. But he plays like he's 25. Um, especially like this year has been really impressive, um, and everything. But it should be fun nonetheless. Yep. It should be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to the Devils just having a new challenge, if that makes sense. You know, just a team we haven't played yet. We don't have any experience yet. Let's see how it goes. Let's get things going. That Crosby goal was actually on an MLB opening day, so even better hitting a home run in overtime on MLB opening day. And the big thing for me when it comes to Penguins-Devils is the Frankie Pietrangelo, the save in 1991 that helped lead to the Penguins' first Stanley Cup. That's the big memory for me. And Penguins I don't even remember who took the shot. I think it was Kirk Muller. I think Kirk yes, Muller was man. the one who took the Kirk shot. Muller. Yeah, and I think if and I look at it, and if you look back, if the Devils score that goal, they probably win that game. 
and they, and they probably, probably win that, that series. Yeah, they probably win that series. But that, like I said, the Devils and Penguins don't have a rich history of moments. There's moments here and there, like you guys mentioned. Um, you know, some players like Crosby, some some guys in, in the fan base don't. It's just depending on opinions. But the Penguins have never been um, a bug to me. Uh, it was annoying that they won back-to-back cups, um, but that's fine. Because then the Capitals just did a, did us all a favor and won it the very next year, and you know I, I know you guys don't want to hear that, but um, <laughs> look, I'm still I'm still riding on 2012. So you guys have a lot less, um, <laughs> lot, lot less. You have more recent memories than I do. Neil, thank you so much for joining the show. We always love having you on, and we appreciate you giving us your time. Let everybody know that's listening to this where they can find you on social media and what you have coming up for the Devil State of Mind podcast. Absolutely. Well, first of all, again, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, you can follow us on the Devil's State of Mind podcast, Twitter account at Devil's State, Instagram at Devil's State of Mind, and like and subscribe to us on Facebook. You can follow my personal account uh, on Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and on Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. And as far as anything coming up, we have a couple more guests coming up for the next couple of episodes. Um we have uh, Sports Unlimited, which is a memorabilia um, company based up in North Jersey that's going to be coming on. They have a really good um, relationship with Devils players. Um, we're going to be talking about a, uh, I guess we could say like an online auction autograph session with Mikhail Moltsev coming up later on this week. Uh, we have some graphic designers coming on. We have some artists, you know, of all different kinds coming on. Just a lot of really good stuff. And, uh, you know, just... I'm just really excited to uh, to showcase it all and, and to uh, bring more and more content. And if you guys really want to get some laughs on live tweeting, uh, make sure you hit the notification bell for Devils State on Twitter when the Devils games begin. And I'm sure you guys will be seeing plenty of my tweets <laughs> over the next couple of days. And uh, I'm actually I'm going to be live for the first period of the first game to, on Thursday uh, with the Slapshot Sweethearts. So I will be on there with them while watching this game. So that will be fun. Um, I will probably be pissed off, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Depends on how we play. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been a blast and uh, look forward to uh, collaborating a lot more down the road. What's up, y'all, and greetings from the hockey city of Smashville, home of the Nashville Predators, and home to a new hockey podcast, the Catfish and Ice Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Join hosts Chad Benton, Rich Howe, and Colin Bluen every week as we bring to you hard-hitting and unfiltered Nashville Predators hockey analysis, while also diving into the entertainment and music world here in Music City. We have a lot of fun doing it. Now is the time to join us for the ride, hockey fans. New episodes of the Catfish and Ice podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Download the Catfish and Ice podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you again to Neil Villapiano for joining the show. If you also want to hear more of me and Neil speak, I jumped on to an episode of the Devil State of Mind podcast that also comes out 
the same day that this podcast drops. So for a little bit more Pens Devils talk, go ahead and tune in over there. But Horowat, let's finish off the show with our shout-outs and call-out segment. I'll let you lead us off with call-outs to start. Oh, call-outs first. Okay. Got to keep you on your toes, buddy. Yeah, I was looking for my – I have my shout-out written – excuse me, on my phone and my call-out written in a notebook. So um, I had to find the notebook. Here we go. So my call-out – I alluded to it a little bit in our opening here, just saying that – calling out people who decided to party on Saturday Mm – during St. Patrick for for St. Patrick's Mm -hmm. Day and when I say party I mean yeah I get that your groups are going to get a little bigger now things are starting to ease up I understand it I'm excited that everything's easing up starting April 4th Pennsylvania can go to a bar again there you go at 75% capacity and we don't have to order food which has been a kryptonite to my bank account at the at these two hockey games that I went to um so be it though it's uh but that'll be lifted come April 4th we'll be able to enjoy ourselves a little bit more we still have to be safe even then, uh, but for now, you still got to be safe. I'm calling out specifically because I saw a lot of Snapchat stories on Saturday of what looked like old school frat parties, and that's <laughs> not ideal. Um, it's just the selfishness of it all. It's not fun. It's not good to see. I mean, you know, let's say everyone comes out of there scot-free. Still, it's not, it's not what you want to see from a society where we've been urging everyone to play it safe and we've been playing it fairly safe for over exactly a year now pretty much yeah it's um you'd think by now everyone would kind of learned like hey let's wait until their correct opportunity to have these sort of deals these sort of parties and get-togethers excuse me again i'm you know not gonna say don't get together with your pals i'm not you just have to do it the correct way i've been hanging out with people i mean things are easing up i've been obviously going to hockey games it's you know, we're all a little hungry and starved to get out and be in those big groups again. I'm dying to go to a concert again, but I'm gonna. I, I have to take my time on it. Everyone's got to do the right thing and be the and just be a good person and not be selfish about it. So I'm calling out anyone who went to those big parties that I saw on Snapchat on Saturday, or anyone who's been doing this the entire time because I've been seeing that too. Obviously, to a much lesser extent, but you just got to be smart. People have been getting in real trouble for these parties of you know throughout the year, so. Be smart, not only for society, but for yourself. Fair enough. I mean, with that, happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope everybody that celebrates the correct way has a great time and does it safely. My call out this week goes to the Ottawa Senators, and not because they're one of the worst teams in the league yet again this year, but they're always ruining my damn parlays on DraftKings, who is our great (laughs) sponsor for us. And I do my best to give them the most business that I can, but I would like to win a parlay every once in a while. Unfortunately, the Ottawa Senators don't want to let that happen. I don't think I've ever bet on them to win this season, so it might be out of spite. And I have won bets where I have picked against them. I have won some, but it always seems like when I have a big parlay on a weekend day, because that's when they're usually most games, When there's a big parlay and I start getting a lot of them right, I start getting fearful for that Ottawa Senators game because every time they're the last one of an eight-leg, nine-leg parlay, I correctly predict eight or nine games, but that last one that I need is the Ottawa Senators, the lowly Ottawa Senators to lose a game, and they always seem to turn out to be the Tampa Bay Lightning of last year's playoffs whenever that happens. Most recently, it happened this past Sunday. I had a huge eight-team parlay, seven of them correct, 
And then the damn Senators go out and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are the first place team in the North Division by a score of four to three. They were up four to one at one point in that game, and I kind of gave up all hope. I tweeted at the guys at the Sens Hour who cover the Senators for the Hockey Podcast Network, and they obviously liked the fact that because I picked against them, I was wrong in, in a game that they were winning, and that's fair, and I understand it might be out of spite, but at least once can you let me have a big payday on one of these parlays. I think I'm just going to stop betting on the Senators games, and you know what happens to me a little bit with the Red Wings, but not nearly as much. So uh, my call-out is the Senators. You're killing my DraftKings account. Just please, if I pick against you in a parlay and every other team wins, do me a favor and lose. At least once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It Hey, sports betting's hard, and that's why you run the yes. risk. But uh... I don't have a gambling problem, though. I promise. You're good. <laughs> just You just run the risk sometimes, and that's just the way sports yeah. are. That's why you play the game. And the Senators have been a... They have been entertaining this yes. week, to say the least. And I don't have much more to say on it because uh, I want to jump to my shout-out, which are the Ottawa Senators and their fans. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen the, the Sens Sickos? Thing? I have not, no. It is awesome. So when your team is bad and you know they're bad, it's best to just enjoy it, right? That's why the New Jersey Devils Twitter account right now is awesome. That's why I asked Neil about it, because it's hysterical, because they are kind of aware they're a bad team. Not that they're, you know, bad, bad. They're not Buffalo bad, but Buffalo's handling their situation poorly because all their fans seem depressed, and that team is just an absolute dumpster fire. Whereas the Senators and their fans, they know the team is bad, so they created this character that has actual cardboard cutouts in their stadium. Um, and it's a it was a pre-done meme of... Like some, I don't even know how to put it. If people listening know what I'm talking about, look it up. It's hysterical. Just the Senator sickos. It's because they are enjoying watching how bad their team is. And that's part of it. If your team is bad, you have to make the best of it. Because sports are depressing to watch when you're expecting good things and getting bad things. Well, hopefully the Pittsburgh Steelers take note of everything that you just said. Because the amount of players <laughs> that they've been losing in the past couple of days... They might be headed in that direction, but I won't get into that. My shout-out to close out the show goes to Marvel Studios because, first, WandaVision was a great series. I'm kind of sad that it was only a one-season series. It was only nine episodes, or was it ten? I don't remember. It was either nine or ten, but it was a really good show. I was really happy with it. I'm sad that it is only one season, but it is leading into another feature film of theirs. I think it's a great way and an intelligent way to advance the story arc of some of their characters who they have a massive, massive just Rolodex of characters that they have now introduced into that universe. And if you're not into it, it's very hard to keep up with it. And it's going to be even harder because now with this show, they show that they have a way now to advance a storyline of a character who not, who is not necessarily going to be, big enough to get a feature film. So we understand that, you know, Wanda Maximoff is not somebody that people are going to pay money to go see in the in movie theater, but I'll definitely watch nine episodes that come out on Disney plus. So I thought that was great. And now on Friday, Falcon and the winter soldier is coming out. I was always, my favorite superhero was captain America. So the fact that this is kind of furthering the storyline for them, even though cap's not going to be in it, it's furthering the storyline for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is the Disney Plus show that I've been most excited for since they announced all of them. 
And I'm just overall very happy with that, especially because I'm a big movies guy. I like to go to the movies, and it's been so long since I've been able to. So this is giving me a little bit of something to enjoy while I wait for the next big feature film to be out. Maybe if people stop partying, you'll be able to go to movies a little sooner. Um, I've watched a grand total of zero seconds of WandaVision. Yes. As we all know, I'm not a superhero person. I was at one point, but that was only for Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire version. That's the one and only Spider-Man in my eyes. If, wait, if Tobey Maguire is in Spider-Man 3, would you watch it? I'd consider. I mean, to be, cause to be fair, I have seen parts of the first Deadpool, and that was entertaining, but Deadpool is also very not superhero-y. It's kind of just a comedy. Uh, so it depends. If Toby, I'll, I'll watch the Tobey Maguire scenes, because I'm probably not going to want to spend that kind of money to watch a Marvel movie. Um, and then especially... Nothing against the people, but I don't want to sit in a crowd and watch that watch that movie either. Um, oh my god! Ah, well, Dash, good to see you. Ow. Um, yeah, how that? How'd Not that well. Go? He definitely just put his claws straight into my chest. But that's gonna do it for this episode of the Tip of the <laughs> Iceberg. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Neil Villapiano. Another thank you to him for joining us. Or any last words before we let the folks go for the weekend? Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Be smart and uh. Let's uh, hope for the best when it comes to our injuries. Yeah, let's hope when we come uh, to you on good. Monday, the Penguins have won either two or three of their games against the New Jersey Devils and that Evgeny Malkin is just going to continue the pace that he's on after a just scare and not an actual injury. That's all we're hoping for. Things could get dark, though, so let's hope for the best. Expect the worst, hope for the best. That's the best thing to do, but that's going to be it. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.